So you got to figure out the exchange rate of pop tarts to pain, you know, the the pop tarts Mm. to injury ratio. Mm -hmm. And that's what you use. You buy a car. That's about 18 pop tarts. I would say probably that's not maybe at least 18 boxes of pop tarts. Uh, yeah, that's probably true. That's probably true. <laughs> hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 235 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast of Butterscotch Shenanigans. I'm Seth, and I'm the game's programmer. Wow, you're getting so fast. Yeah. I'm Adam, and I can't speak that fast. I'm oh, wait, I just did it. it. <laughs> I'm already done. Uh, today is still November 16, 2019. <laughs> it's the same day we recorded last week's episode. Time is... Which, is yeah, which also was recorded like a week before. This is all very, very confusing. Yeah. The future is don't so even look far at it. away don't look at it now. Before we get started, we have a warning. We're going to swear. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> well, first we need to give a, spe- a special thanks. We need a shout out to Quantum Anomaly and Giant Muskrat who brought us booze. Uh, butterscotch Moonshine. Butterscotch Moonshine. And it's basically Butterscotch Schnapps. And Big Pete. What is this? Whiskey. Whiskey. Scotch whiskey, uh, which we have not tapped into until this very special occasion where we are recording two podcast episodes in the same day. Mm-hmm. And so we did it. Yep. yep. Let's get on to some questions. Mm-hmm. These questions <laughs> come from our listeners over at podcast.bscotch.net. First question is a series of questions from Beaky Bump and Boom. Oh boy. Are we going to hit them one at a time? Like you're going to bust it up? Let's just get in there and see what happens. Okay. All right, Beaky Baba Boop uh, says, these are some quick questions for Question Apocalypse 20 Grand Team. First question, are zombies or vampires more terrifying? Zombies. Fast zombies or slow zombies? There's no, because, so vampires. Fast zombies are the most terrifying of, of all the things. Yeah, 100%. Uh, vampires are only somewhat scary because there's so many questions about just how sexy they are. Yeah. You know? Because yeah, like, if you see them, you don't know if they're going to seduce you or eat you. Exactly. And if they seduce you, you know, you're just immortal and you also bite people. So it's kind of cool. Right? Yeah. You do it in a sexual way. Yeah, there's no awesome. sexy yeah. zombies. Exactly. I don't think you ever see like a teen, uh, like a, no. it, like a Actually, young I, adult teen novel. A zombie kind of has that though. What was the, oh, that's true. There I, are sexy zombies. <laughs> was it the but one? not very many. There's no, yeah, that's, yeah. Was it the one where the zombie falls in love with someone? There was a movie that came out a while ago. It was called Cold Bodies. Oh, I don't know. Warm, warm Bodies, I think is what it's called. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's hilarious. It's a zombie love story. It's a zombie love story. Yeah. But he's, he's actually a zombie, and he just falls in love with, with a real person huh. and a not dead person. I think vampires it are more terrifying adorable. because they have agency. Yeah. You know, zombies. They can, they can come for you on purpose. A vampire mm. can formulate a schema and come get you. And a zombie is just kind of out there. You know, they're shambling. It's like the weather. Yeah. A zombie, and if you've seen The Walking Dead, you know, they, they just kind of cluster in herds and shit like that. And you just kind of leave if zombies show up. But a vampire, they're going to get you. And they can and they, fly. And they can turn into a bat, which yeah. I think we can all agree is pretty dope. That's pretty spooky. Yeah, that's mostly awesome. That's, that's back in the sexy category. <laughs> I think that's what it is. Like vampires. <laughs> Yeah, vampires are just too hot, you know? Yeah, too hot. Zombies are definitely spooky. I'm going to need some more of this. <laughs> Get some of that, <laughs> some more of that moonshine going. This is so gross. This butterscotch-flavored moonshine is not good. No. Quantum. <laughs> This is not good. I'm going to pour myself. Read the next question while you So get Quantum that actually brought this to us at last year, two years ago at Shenanicon. Yeah, the first ever Shenanicon. The first ever Shenanicon. Um, and and I, if I recall correctly, and I'm, and I'm very sorry if I'm wrong about this. Um, no, it's 100% true. But I'm, I'm pretty sure he said, I was driving up here, stopped at a gas station to get gas because that's, you know, what you have to do on a road trip. And then I saw in the gas station this... Ozark Distillery Butterscotch Moonshine. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm going to the Shenanicon, you know, butterscotch, Perfect et cetera. Time. Perfect timing. And so he, he bought this thing and brought it. Uh, and I'd say all of that only to say it was not ex- it was not expected that this would necessarily be a high the end. Top, the most top the tier, of, top tier. Yes. of butterscotch flavored moonshine that you might yes. get. But it's up there. Yeah. It yeah. is. <laughs> up there. And it is. It is still. In the sense it is drinkable. that. In the sense that it's drinkable. I think drinkable. it's perfectly fine. I think it's perfectly fine. You really got to go for it, though. Mm-hmm. All right. Next question comes from favorite snack made out of potatoes. That's the way that's, that's the, the name. Sorry. Next question. <laughs> next question is, oh, okay, what's your favorite sense. snack made out of potatoes? Uh, yeah, I would say fries. That'd be a good username. Is it a snack? That's a, I mean, that's a lot of grease for a snack. It's a snack. What's your definition of a snack? You know what I'm saying? Mm, that's a great question, Sam. <laughs> 
Because is it about the quantity of food or is it just the a kind particular of food, type right? of food? Because I think it's sort of a combination. If too. you have tiny hamburgers, are those a snack? I think, I so. think tater- sliders are snacks. I think tater tots are a snack. Then if, and then fries are definitely a snack. Yeah. If you believe tater tots are a snack. That's probably true. That's fair. Mm-hmm. Actually, wait. What am I doing? What am I saying? Chips. Potato chips, obviously. That's a snack. Yeah. That's, but is, is that the only thing that is obviously both potatoes and a snack? Yes, I think so. Uh, or a candied yam. That's a good snack. The, the whole yam? The whole, the whole yam. yam. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's true. It's basically a bag of potato chips. Like it's not that dense calorically versus a, like a sack of potato chips is equivalent to eating a yam essentially. Yeah. Or, but once or you get any the, regular size meal pretty that's much. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, actually, I think there's the case that, that potato-based foods – just aren't snacks because they're so calorie dense mm-hmm. that they're just a meal no matter what it is. So now that that's true, then the question is just, what's your favorite potato-based food? Mm. Well, you got gnocchi, which when potatoes are going undercover is pasta. Yeah, potato noodles. What? Is that actually true? Yeah, gnocchi made of potatoes. Okay. What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> you drink your moonshine. Right? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> so yeah, there's gnocchi and then you got your chips and then you got your fries. And then you got your- thing. Your British chips, which are actually fries again. Yes. <laughs> and you have French fries. Which, which are, are not French. Not French, but are fries. Yes. And chips. Yes. And can you make pizza out of potatoes? You could probably – you can make bread out of potatoes. You can make – And pizza is just bread. Yeah, you could probably make it. whatever you want out of potatoes. Then then that's my favorite snack. Pizza. Potato pizza? A pizza made out of potatoes. <laughs> Next question from the Beaky Bapa Boop catalog Ooh, I love it. is – Y'all have any non-butterscotch art hanging around the office? I don't even know if we have butterscotch art hanging around We do. Around the we office. got – yeah, we got a we flux. We, we don't have any non- I'm not hanging, I guess. We don't have any non-butterscotch art. You know why? Because we don't want it. Nope. That's correct. We've got all butter – actually, they, all these are all Eric Hibbler things pretty much. Yeah. yeah. It's all box art stuff. Yeah. So that's that. Next beaky bop boop question. Escalator, elevator, stairs, or tractor beam? Mm, I assume he means latching onto an I-beam being pulled by a tractor. tractor. Yeah. Being drugged to your destination. Because uh, we, we can only talk about real modes of transportation. Yes. So, yeah, it has to be that. Uh, tractor beam is somewhat impractical for just general moving around. Also, you unless you're on a, a yep. farm. Unless you're on a farm. Yeah. And it's very quick. Yeah. Even then, though, you might as well just drive the tractor. You know what I mean? That's true. Like, you don't really need to stand on the beam being dragged behind it. Although, because it's, tractors only really seat one or two people, that if you wanted to have like a sort of a bus route. It's like a hayride. Yeah, it's like a hayride. Yeah, but and it comes sit on the drag, tractor beam. That actually sounds weirdly plausible for a sort of uh, farm activity, given the things <laughs> that just we Just dragging an I-beam behind And riding on it. Just standing on it. Yeah. Hoping it doesn't roll over and crush you. I feel like if you yeah, put up is. a sign on the highway that said Tractor beam rides five dollars. You could get some suckers in there. I mean, I don't even know if they're suckers at that point. Maybe it's like a good time. time. Come in, sit on the I beam, get dragged behind a tractor. Yeah, that's pretty dope. Uh, otherwise, I think depends on where you're trying to go. You know, the one thing I hate about escalators is that I can never figure out where I need to go to return from whence I came. Right. Because yeah. it only goes one direction. And then they've always got the downward escalator in some weird it's dark corner yeah, somewhere is it, else. Is it's it on the so, other side? Is yes. It, yeah. So you go up and then you're like, how? Do I get back down? And that's but, just too much. But escalators are the most effective at being able to break and still be a mode of transportation. This is true. Of all they, of are, they are resilient transportation technologies. Yeah. But also elevators technically put you back down on the ground. Well, they break. If they break. They just do it very hard. <laughs> <laughs> but they and made to you, your death. But they made you put you down. I learned a lot about elevators one day. I read a bunch about elevator safety. Mm-hmm. Elevators are the safest mode of transportation in the world. I just, is that uh, based on how many people use them? Yeah, in terms okay. of uh, distance traveled. I think for uh, me, I'm just surprised that they count as a mode of transportation. I feel like that's a very lenient definition. You know what I mean? No, but I, I mean, mean you, they, you were somewhere and now you're somewhere else. I somewhere know, else. but like <laughs> you're, you're comparing an elevator to like a plane. Or to going up the stairs or an escalator, you know. Elevators, are, are stairs a mode of transportation? Yeah. I don't think so. I think I think stairs allow for you to use your own mode of transportation, yes. which is walking. Yeah, they aren't a mode of transportation. They are. A, They're a road of transportation. <laughs> That's right. All yeah. right. Next next question is: <laughs> What is six times nine? Fifty-four, probably. Yeah, fifty-four. For some reason, I was going to say seventy-two, but that's definitely not. That's nine times eight. That's definitely not right. 
Oh my god! Don't you remember your multiplication tables? Also, I crushed those in third grade. They were like, "All right, you yeah. need to memorize all these." And I was like, "Done! I did it already." Do people do that still? Probably. Probably. Or are the teachers like, "All right, but open up your multiplication app on your iPhone. And here's, <laughs> remember which app to use to do multiplication." Everybody, here's how you ask Siri what two numbers times. I still have that problem when I'm doing tips now because I don't. I haven't had to just add digits together a lot just sort of mentally except for when i go out and i have to give a tip at a restaurant that is the main thing and so it's like you if you put like a weird one on there so now i always just try to like round it so it ends up in just a zero yeah i make it really easy i always just i always just round it up to something i can mm-hmm. divide by 10 and then multiply by two but every so often they give you like they're like here's the breakdown like a 15 20 percent whatever right yeah. and then i sometimes just pick the number in there and then i'm like oh god yeah then you gotta round that one because you can't add it together yeah, yeah it is remarkably because if you wanted to maximize how much how many tips you were getting, right? If you just only computed twenty percent and included what the total would be if somebody gave you twenty percent, everybody would just do that. It's basically a convenience yeah. fee <laughs> for doing the math. Yeah. yeah, nobody wants to do that math. It's, yeah. It just takes all. And then you're like sitting there staring at it while everybody else is talking. That's why I love on Square. They just like when they turn the thing around and there's just three choices: fifteen percent, twenty percent. And you're like that one. Yeah, it makes me always want to give twenty percent because I was like, yeah. this was so easy, so easy, so good. If they said. Yeah, they said 20% or do the math yourself and type in how much you need to give 15%. Because you yeah. still can. Every you time, can still put in anything you want. Yeah, every yeah. time you'd be like, fuck it, 20. I don't know. Yep. Well, there's yeah. that idea from that Algorithms to Live By book, which is the idea of computational kindness, yes. right? Which is when you're – and it's kind of like we were talking about project-based emailing and all this other stuff, which is whenever you're interacting with someone or you're building something for someone, reduce the mental overhead that they have to deal with in terms yep. of giving you what you need, you know? So, if, yeah, if I want a tip, I just want to press a button. Tell me what the total yeah, is. Tell me what the whole thing is. Or just circle a number that's already there. That's true. How come they're not just telling you the total that goes along yeah. with that tip? What the hell is that about? I, didn't, I they, don't know. I Somebody did find that happened. There was, there was one restaurant I went to recently that had that. Mm-hmm. Only, it's the only time I've ever is seen it, it. I've never seen it since. Isn't there a, a – there, I think there's one big restaurant in New York City. That was, it was on the news. Because they have no tips. Because they don't do tips. They, yep. they, they're, they're like – Hey, we just genuinely pay our staff a decent amount of money. Well, yeah. so that's pretty wild. But that's a very good point. Which yeah. is, it's weird. Also, I don't know how we landed here. Of yeah, all where places. the where the price looks a certain way, but actually isn't the price because the restaurant's underpaying the staff and, and your taxes supposed- aren't prefigured into it because you go anywhere anywhere else and the tax is already wrapped into the but they say this is 10 euros and it is yeah if you got 10 euros end. you can have that thing now mm-hmm. you can have it now yep instead of being like I'd like to buy that they're like just kidding it's 11. Euros now. Also, yeah. also, <laughs> just kidding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, we don't pay our employees, so you have to do that now. And you're like, what? What do you? What would you say you do here? <laughs> we don't calculate the taxes. We don't pay our people. We're just moving products through. <laughs> it's capitalism, baby. Yeah. All right. Next question comes from B. Scotch Christine. It's inside the house. Since, <laughs> since Adam and Sam both just got new phones, has the Fact. chocolate demon returned? We actually had this very conversation. And we did because I have no headphone jack. Yeah. The I mean, chocolate demon. Can't gotta, get into Sam's phone. We got to do a throwback because what we got to make sure people know about the parable and parables. What is it? The there, there was a demon. period of time where seemingly every day, yeah. seemingly, at least in my recollection, yeah. Sam would just appear with himself or some item of his covered in chocolate. <laughs> it was just happening. I don't know what was going on. <laughs> It's a rough. I was going through rough off in his phone, and I remember, yeah, he, he got and he got it in your headphones. I back. apparently was at some point in my day placing chocolates in my pockets. Now the thing I'm concerned about, which is always a mistake, up, is I did put chocolate in my in lunch your, bag today. Oh no! Um, and I'm just thinking about it. I didn't eat it at lunch, so where is it? Where is it? I don't know. <laughs> I'm just thinking about this now, and I'm hoping I didn't put it in my damn pocket. It's in your phone. <laughs> Yeah, so the chocolate demon has not struck me yet, and part of the benefit of having this new iPhone uh, is has no has no eight millimeter jack. It's got no ports. Yeah, at all. people are, people <laughs> are making fun of them for their courage to remove that thing. This they, is the real. This demon is the real proofing. reason, and I think it's yeah. weird that they didn't actually use that as part of their advertising strategy to say Tim hey. Cook got hit by the chocolate demon one day, yeah. and he was like, "Never again, no more." Yeah, <laughs> and all they had to do was say that they were so weird about it and cagey about it. Yeah, know? they were just like, "Oh, we had the courage." Just be real. Nobody mm-hmm. wants to admit that they stuffed their pocket full of chocolates and then dunked their iPhone in. There. <laughs> Even Certainly. Tim Cook. Yeah. yeah. Tim Cook doesn't want to go on stage with a pants covered in chocolate. And then he's like, Yeah, hey, has ever happened to you? You put you dunk your phone in a big bucket of chocolate yep, in your pocket. Like, what? <laughs> Tim? What are you talking about? Tim, get your shit together. Get together. Yeah. All right. So next question good. comes from Irish Luck. What is the point of pointers? To point. 
depends what kind of pointers we're talking about. I'm talking German short pointers. pointers German short hairs. There's a lot of different kinds of pointers. There's lots of pointers. So let's go through the list. So if you got German short hair pointer, they, they find ducks for you. They find ducks and for you, and then they just point at them. Which is really now convenient. it's your problem. German <laughs> short hair pointer is like, I'm not dealing with this fucking duck. This is your problem. Yeah, but now. you know, as we know from DevOps, part of the the process is making, making the work work visible, visible. Yeah. and so that's a German short hair pointer is sort of that makes you know, the work visible. Makes the work it's visible. It's the dog yeah. version of make the work visible. Hundred percent. Okay, so there we got those pointers out of the way. Now you got lazy pointers. pointers. Okay, what are those for? Blinding the police during riots, which is what's happening in Chile right now. So, yep, yep. so very fantastic tool. tool for that. Uh, you can also disable drone sensors with them. You can, you can blind shoot missiles down if you got a powerful enough one. Yeah, you, can, you can also blind airline pilots and then get arrested. That that's also a great happens. a great option. Uh, yeah, don't yep. point your laser pointer in the sky. They will actually come for you. They'll get you. Yeah. super fucking dangerous. You can use them to trick cats. Also that. So you can and, also... thinking something. What is it the cat <laughs> think is happening? You can also uh, create a PowerPoint presentation that is too complicated, okay, in terms of the slide structure. So you have to point at parts of it. Then use... you got to point at the PowerPoint. Yeah, laser parts of the PowerPoint. <laughs> exactly. right. uh, uh, so usually if you're having to use a pointer during a PowerPoint presentation, you have gone too far, okay? I'm going to back it up. Back it up. Back you got up. way too much shit going on on that slide. Yep. If you got a point at it, you're it's done. over. You're you're, yep. you're you're sunk. Uh, and then you have what memory pointers in computer science? Yeah, there's no point to those. So I mean, it's to point. Yeah, the point is to point. Yeah. If yeah. you're like, where is that point? It's like there, there it is. Yeah, right there. There it is. That's yep. its whole thing. And yeah, then a, and then covered. there's points, which is a whole other thing. It is. But and are points a kind of pointer? I fucking love the fact <laughs> that people call the objective of a game points. <laughs> Because, yeah, like, what's the point? What's the point of this oh. game? It's to get the points. Well, you know what's get- weird? I've never, <laughs> I've never even thought about it. You want to earn the most points because that's the point I bet of the game. I bet that started off as a joke. Uh-huh. That had to have started off as a joke. Because it used to be score. Yeah. Or it is score. What's degree. the point of this? To get the most score. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The highest score. The yeah. score is I'm the point. I'm trying to think of what that conversation had to have been like for that to be – because it's like – Somebody had that conversation. But does that, no, because it's like – because you, you had to discover that it was possible for – Point to be plural, you know, like in this. What's the point of this? What are the points? Because what's the well, point? It's like tallies, right? But now you'd ask, what are the points? Which doesn't even, that's not even like a coherent sentence. But somehow, <laughs> somehow you had to land on that question to then just be able to call the thing points. Weird. Points? Yes. Points, but weirdly, points are not the point. Points are just the the outcome of measuring the performance, you know? Okay, yeah. yeah. Like the point of the game is to do better at moving the ball into that square area, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And, and in order to, and once you do that, then you get the points. The points aren't the point. The point was to move the ball, but now you got the points. So now you know mm-hmm. that you're the best, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. I think that's I'm fair. fuzzy on that, but close, yeah. I think that's fair. It's close enough. Next question comes from Seven Cho, who says, what is your favorite or most impactful PC peripheral? i.e. giant mouse pad, fourth monitor, huge cloud-covered cans. Headphones? <laughs> <laughs> My favorite one is just noise-canceling headphones. Noise-canceling headphones. Game changer. By and far. Bose Quiet Comfort 25. I didn't even know that you were making words for the first piece of that. <laughs> Bose Quiet Comfort. <laughs> Anyways, uh, yeah, I think the, they're, they're fantastic. That's probably the best investment. Those yeah. I was – very dubs about. Especially given their cost. Yeah, because they're oh, yeah. $300. Yeah, they're Very a expensive. lot of cash money. And I was like, that's a – I mean, I've been <laughs> I've been buying headphones for 20 bucks my whole life. I can't – It seemed to be perfectly fine. Yeah. This kind of reminds me of conversations we have about food. Yeah, right. Where yeah. I'm like, why would I ever pay $100 for a steak? Mm-hmm. And then you do and you're like, oh, <laughs> that's why. Because uh, yep. some steaks are just that good, mm-hmm. right? And so yeah, these these headphones, man. They're I order of magnitude different than yeah. It, like it changes it changes the experience playing video games. It changes work, yeah. especially changes being on an airplane. Yes. Because what what noise canceling headphones do, which is the craziest shit I've ever heard of, is or haven't heard of <laughs> <laughs> is okay. So sound waves are a vibration, right? Okay, with you, they're yep. a wave. It goes up then down, up then down, right? So noise canceling headphones, they look at the sound. With their eyes. With their headphone eyes. And they're like, fuck you sound. I'm going to go down then up. Mm-hmm. Down then up. So they make a – they literally make a noise-canceling noise. It's yeah. a counter frequency. They make a vibration that deletes the other vibrations. This is some of that stuff where I'm like, I don't really understand how anything works. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a healing yeah. crystal kind it of situation. Uh-huh. Except – It works. Yeah, legit. You, you'll heal, you'll heal, heal like an air conditioner or a fucking truck – 
moving outside or something and you flip the little switch on your headphones, it's, it's just gone now. Yeah. Or at least mm-hmm. way quieter, depending on how loud it is. Yeah. It doesn't really do a good job of deleting bursts of noise. Well, it's actually the fun thing is that if you if you put so if you're on a loud, like a loud airplane or or we, we've also done them in convention halls when we're like trying to take mm-hmm. a break, you know. So you put those things on, and all the ambient noise that's just kind of like recurring yeah. and you know just humming along just gets cut like in half or in three quarters, whatever depending on how loud it is. But you can still hear everything else. Yeah. So it just kind of it cuts it out makes the noise. It, yeah, it cuts out the noise. Cancels the noise. Weird. Yeah. It's not sound canceling. Yeah, if you no, noise canceling. If you treat yourself to a thing for this holiday season, yeah, noise canceling. Get yourself high end noise, noise canceling headphones. Yeah, great. Best. Easily the best. Thing. They probably are. And I, and I know the the tech is like the tech is old as fuck, right? Because yeah. it's like it's, it's true for all audio stuff. Like I don't think the tech has changed in any of audio for a hundred years. I think it kind of peaked in the seventies. Probably yeah. as in like you know you mean like. By tech, you mean like the, microphones, the speakers, they just work the same right. way. Yeah. yeah, I think um, the best sounding thing to ever be made was staying alive by the Bee Gees. And then yeah, just still, we've never surpassed that. No. Um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm pretty sure there, there are also some, some still really good, but not as expensive headphones on the market now. Um, but the only ones we know that we've actually used that were also yeah. like the best rated by, according to everybody, were these fancy Bose ones. Yes. So. And nice thing is I actually used mine so much that the... The foamy ear pad part exploded, and I ordered a new a new set of the those parts, and you can just like pop them off and replace them. I need to do that because my mine actually did that too. Yeah, mm-hmm. you can refresh <laughs> them. It's great. And now I got another twenty years. I mean, we that. wear these things for four to six hours a day, every day. Yeah, but if you do this, you must get a battery recharger yeah yes because they do take batteries though some of the newer ones are you just charge them with usb but now you got to use your usb port oh, who no. has the time you have the time for that <laughs> it's crazy all right next question comes from calm zippa aid sand how do you make nice looking gifts mine are all blurry or huge gifts are annoying to make and this is largely because uh there's a bunch of weird settings and stuff that you have to flip on and off on either the program you're using or uh, – You just flip them all user. off and then That's carry yeah, on. What it, so, <laughs> so we use a thing called Screen to GIF. Okay. It's good. It's really good. We used to use a thing called GIF Cam, but it wasn't quite as easy to, to manipulate. So Screen to GIF, you set the size of the window and then you record and then you can in post, basically you can shrink down the image. You can cut out colors. You can do all sorts of stuff. And the important thing is that sometimes it depends on why your GIF doesn't look good. I don't even know. Like, I'm not sure. If it's blurry, it's probably because you captured a blurry thing. Quit doing that, you weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly why. Uh, maybe, you, maybe you're down it when you captured it or something yeah, weird. Yeah, stop that. Just stop it. Uh, just capture the GIF and quit being weird about it. Yeah, and a lot of it just has to do with what the settings are that you're using on the program before you capture it. So if you're not quite sure what it is, then get one of the easier ones to use, like screen to GIF. Watch like a five-minute tutorial. Do it. And that's done. Do it. Nice. Do it. Screen to GIF. Do it. And then there's one other thing. Which is GIFs do this uh, – I don't know pixel how to – Pixel detection. Change pixel detection. Yeah. So the way that they cut down on their file size is they're like, oh, this one pixel was blue and it's still blue for the next 28 frames or whatever. So I'm just going to not record the rest of the frames and just leave it as is, yep. right? And for for some absolutely ludicrous reason that I can't fathom, a lot of GIF software says – I'm going to make sure that you know that I didn't change that pixel. By turning it bright green. By turning it bright <laughs> green. Why? Yeah, I said <laughs> very unclear what the purpose of that so is. So you but. can check that box on screen to GIF and say, yes. hey, don't turn my unchanged pixels bright green. In fact, don't change them. Yes. They're supposed to be unchanged. <laughs> that will help you. So if that's the reason why, then yeah, uncheck that box. Yeah. All right. Next question comes from – also from Perseven Show. It's said that some comedians like to self-amuse. Do you do things when at <laughs> home <laughs> when at home or alone just for your own amusement? Yes. I constantly talk and make fun of my dog, but yep. in like a super kind voice, you know? <laughs> no one else is around. I'm just having a good time. Just making fun yeah, of my like, dog. You little fucking idiot. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, you're so dumb. You know, like that sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. Do it constantly. Uh, as far as making jokes, I feel like – I make jokes for myself and I – In all contexts. In all contexts. And I just really hope – And sometimes they're funny to other people. That someone gives me the gift of laughter. Yeah. That's it. That's also how I operate. Mm-hmm. So yeah, mostly I'm amusing myself. That's sort of my – I try to always deliver that gift. 
Whenever somebody makes yeah. a joke, mm-hmm. <laughs> right. unless it's a, one of those weird ones, it's you know problematic. Yep, yep. I will give it a good. I will good give it a good trouble. chuckle. Yep. Because you got to think like, if you don't laugh at someone's joke, what have you done? Well, so there's actually been there's a bunch of psychology research on this. The question is, why do people laugh at stuff or not laugh at stuff? And the reality is that laughter is much more a social cue that you like a person. Then it is that you think or think it's funny, which is why when I watch stand-up comedy, most of the time I'm like, this shit is not funny at all. But everybody in the audience is just losing They're it. just in it. Because mm-hmm. they're there to see this. They've paid money to see this person. They're excited to see this person. And that's sort of what you do in that context, right? Maybe a good example is like, think about the best joke you know. And think mm-hmm. about the worst person you know telling that joke. Yeah. And think, would I laugh at that? Absolutely mm-hmm. not. No, you would not. Or there's another one. If you're if – you're, so like one of the things when – I was was originally dating my wife. One of the reasons I knew she liked me was because I was telling genuinely bad jokes. Uh-huh. And she was laughing very hard at all of them. And I was like, this is – Ooh, it's a test. Suspicious. It's a joke If you test. need to test whether people like you, just tell some mm-hmm. very medium jokes uh-huh. and see, see if they give what, you a little – And assumption. it's generally really good social practice to test all of your relationships. Yeah. Absolutely. You want to make, make sure constantly. and you got to keep a scorecard. Yep. You got to know – Got logs. Who's laughed how many times? And Mm -hmm. and you want a multi-part rating system. You don't just want one of these bullshit likes one to ten. How good is it? You know, you need to rate it on all the metrics. Trust. uh, What else is there? You should use romantic comedy scales. So it's like, how much has a person been really creepy towards you? But like in a way, in a that's kind of endearing. Is endearing somehow? Mm -hmm. Yeah. If looked at through the particular lens, particular lens, Mm -hmm. and then leave that journal. Just leave it out in the open. You yeah. know, it's like a coffee table book. So when yeah, friends you, come you've over. You've always got to leave relationship landmines just yeah, kind of yeah, sprinkled yeah. throughout. And that way it's everywhere. kind of like a – it's a leaderboard, right? So your friends yeah. – everyone knows where they're placed, you know, like relatives. Oh, yeah. In your in it's important. place. It's important to main, for maintaining good quality relationships that you're very honest about the numerical scale yeah, on yeah. which mm-hmm. all of your friends land. Yeah, what's your gear score, for, you know, for being yeah, my, my friend? For being here? a friend. Where's it at, you know? I need yeah. those algorithms. And, and, of course, you want to make sure also that you, that you establish – what the criteria are for people to elevate their points, yeah. you know, so that how they many, know. If, what, they, if they buy gifts for you, how many points is that worth? Right. What if the gift isn't something you, that you like, though? Does that give negative points? Mm-hmm. You know, it sure does. Probably. And of course, if they if they watch after your dog, that's a big one. If they help you move, that's like a hundred points yeah. right there. Yeah, I know? think that like yeah, you can't even offset those points for like a year. I think no. Yeah, you're locked There's in locked at maximum yeah. friend level. Yep. Uh, so you know that's just a, just a few little pro tips there mm-hmm. on managing your friendships and relationships. Yep. So yeah, there you go. All right, next question comes from Maximilio. What should I pursue in education if I am interested in game development, especially indie game development? I'm majoring in computer science, but I'm still trying to choose a minor or double major business, business, and try to choose between math, creative writing, new media, business. There you go. Or even self building a minor out of my own uh, by just choosing my own classes. What are the most important classes that you can take in school? For this also depends on the on how good the classes are. Because a class, just because it's called math, doesn't mean you're yeah. going to learn math by having I think less about this in terms of the specifics of class choice. Yes. And and more the, about the kind saying, of knowledge that yeah. you need. Yeah. How much How much, and what kind of knowledge? I business think. statistics. Some of that. Get some of that in there. Yeah. No matter what your career is, knowing about business and statistics will help you because yep. everything you go into will be a business. That's yep. where your income is going to come from. Yep. It's from and, that business. And everything that happens to you in your life is dictated by statistics. Mm-hmm. So it's a good one. So you should know. You should know how to not be taken advantage of, yep. which is where the statistics comes from. And business. And that's where the business comes <laughs> from. There's another idea, which is the idea of a, a double or triple threat, which is that you don't have to be the best at any one thing if you're also kind of good at some other things. How bad can you be at how many things and still be – like can you be like an – so if you can be a triple threat, can you be like an – Well, there's a ratio. So like you, can be, you can be really bad at 39 things yeah. and you're fucking great. Probably, yeah. Yeah. Because you can do 39 things. You can do 39 things real badly. Well, I mean, you got to do good enough, right? But I think that's that's the point. I can play the recorder. I can ride a bike whilst I can do a wheelie just for a moment. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, which might come in handy for some reason later on. You can ride a unicycle. I can ride a unicycle. Not well. But you can. But I can. Can you still? Probably. No, I can still. Is it like riding a bike? (laughs) I don't think it's like riding a bike. I can still ride a unicycle badly. Okay. So like, that's gonna always be just true. like how I always could. Yeah. So I think there's there's a benefit there, which is having having that broad education during during this time where you basically can do whatever you want is good. Yes. 
but definitely tap into business, get some stuff going there, get the stats. Um, and then beyond that, pick up some other skill where when you add it into the mix of your comp sci degree makes you interesting because of the mix. So yeah. for example, if it's comp design sci, would be good. Yeah. If it's comp sci and design or comp sci and creative writing or just yeah. something that's completely sort of else. If something, you can, something that's less engineering oriented and correct. more. Yeah. If you can only do one thing, you will be perpetually subject to the whims of randomness. Yeah. yeah. And other it, people. Yeah. So if, if you specialize 100% in a really specific thing, you've got no other interests or skills, then once that thing is no longer in demand, you are no longer in demand mm-hmm. and you're done now. Yep. But now you got to figure your shit out and it's hard. Yep. So what was that quote in the personal MBA? The one in the opening? Oh, if you're – There's a book called The Personal MBA, mm-hmm. which is about just business, which you should just read that anyway, yeah, just even it. if you don't do a business yeah. major. Uh, it's Actually, my, maybe do that instead of a business major. Yeah, do that. <laughs> it would be more cost effective, definitely. Yeah. It's called – the quote was, uh, life is tough. It's tougher if you're stupid. Yeah. So <laughs> – So learn some things. Learn some things. <laughs> yeah. so I'm not even sure that that's a true quote. Well, I think it's about right. It's got a truth to it. It's truthy. I think it's, it's true for it. some people, I think. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, business is great. Math is great. Statistics is great. Do one or all of those things and you'll be in a better yeah, spot. And, but I mean, get something that's not math oriented too in there. Cause like the reality is if you do a triple major, do a quadruple major, just, like, just learn well, the fact is if, so if, if you books. can, if you can already write well, then oh, yeah. fine. Oh, but please. if you can't write well, then that is the only thing that's you can no about. Yeah. Um, that is learn how to read, learn how to fucking I'm not read. even kidding. Like people think they can read. They cannot read. Yeah. I'm <laughs> serious. <laughs> like, like you're, what, you're just looking at words. If you're, yes, if your reading comprehension is not above like ninety percent when you're reading something, figure out how to get your reading comprehension above ninety percent. Because what that means is you're spending time not actually learning things when you're trying to learn things. Yeah, and you know what else? Worst. It makes everything else harder. Learn how to type. Yes. Learn how to talk too. What is this? What is this? Seventy words per minute nonsense mm-hmm. you gotta be 50 above that at go least. to typeracer.com just type and just go every day 10 minutes a day just start racing people online by yeah. type if every if if as a programmer as a business person whatever everything that you do is mm-hmm. going to end up having to be, get typed into a computer it's yeah. actually funny there's so there's these fundamentals of life right which to me are they're reading writing typing and chopping and onions chopping onions <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and speaking right? yeah those are your five are the core five skills. <laughs> uh, I would say if you if you know that you have a deficiency in one of those areas, actually, or, you do. You do at least uh, at least got one at least one of these. I'm sure I'm, one of those. Out. It takes me a while to chop an onion. I do a good job. I'm weak as fuck at chopping onions right now. I really need to show you. Are, are I whole, keep have you, have you done? <laughs> have you done? Because we talked about this a couple episodes ago. Have you done? Have you looked up a video on how to use a chef's knife properly? No. Because you did suck it. at it. Because it'll blow your mind. Turns out. Well, so I'm going to be making some spaghetti tomorrow. So yeah, deep, well, watch I'm not going to chop first. the noodles, but I need to chop put those vegetables noodles, buddy. in there. So, chop yeah. the noodles. <laughs> <laughs> the noodles, you just take and you just snap them like yeah. a spine. But this is, the, this is the thing. Unless you cook them first, then you got to cut them. Because you can't snap them once they're cooked. <laughs> you know I man? can. <laughs> <laughs> you can snap them like a whip. You got a whip. You got a whip. You snap them. You whip them in half. But anyways, point being, there are things that people do all day, every day. Read, write, type. Chop onions. How do and, you, they're, and they're also foundational to be able to do all because like, okay, if you're gonna take a stats course, but you suck at writing and reading. You cannot you can't learn anything. Learn that. Yeah. So, so look at books on speed reading, on reading comprehension. Yep. That's gonna be hard because you gotta read those books in order to learn how to, it's, it's it's a, a whole little bit of a circular problem. But if you're yeah. in college, there's usually there's resources usually where you can go for these things. Yep. So I mean like go take advantage of the resources that are available. There's usually writing tutors that are given either for free or it's super low cost on yeah. college campuses. If you know your little week on writing, go do it. I don't know Love if I told God. you guys. I started I started messing around on Type Racer, and I've gotten my words per minute up to one thirty, nice. with like ninety nine point eight percent accuracy. That's ridiculous. I'm going to shoot for one fifty, but I don't know. Well, I don't that's know like, about the that physics. Like court stenog- <laughs> that's like court stenographer level. Yeah. At what point it? does the keyboard just catch on fire? Uh, probably around there. Mm-hmm. Around there, or even. Not able to not be able to take inputs fast enough because you know how if you hit like three because every keyboard has a limit on how many keys you can hit at the same time. But it's the just mechanical like, keyboards have like twenty or something. Yeah, you oh, can okay. really so you can just go to go town, town on those things. Uh, but anyways, your you know, goal should be to type so fast that the keyboard can't keep. keep well, here's so here's the, the thing. Like though they talk about this where, whether you're doing art practice or programming, whatever else. There's always this reference that experts give to the fundamentals. Mm-hmm. Someone be like, I can't figure out what the problem here, and they're like, you need to revisit the fundamentals. Yep. And I think there's there's the fundamentals of life, which are those things. What was it again? It was so reading, writing, speaking, chopping onions. Yep. 
Typing. 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 Okay. So focus on those. Those five are fundamentals. Every so <laughs> if if you haven't, yeah, if you haven't picked up those skills, if, you, if, you're, actually, good, if you're good at those, everything else is. This easy. actually reminds yeah. me a lot of Queer Eye. Yeah. Where they've got their their core things. They do. You know, you've got your space. You've got your uh, culture. Your, your community. Mm-hmm. You know, the cultural stuff. Self care. Yep, grooming. Yeah. I think the, grooming. The culture stuff seems to be just about onions, making people cry, though. Was, the culture. Well, I guess that's the point. Yeah, culture is actually. Chrome is always like. Chrome is like get your cries out. Yeah, I just, I just identified your deepest, darkest. Yeah, problem. in like three seconds. Yeah, three so seconds. so fucking deal with it. <laughs> yeah, deal with that. <laughs> Bring mm-hmm. it out in the open. Sun, sunlight is the best disinfectant. And then Anthony that. comes in and he's like, "I'm gonna show you how to chop an onion because that's one of the fundamentals." <laughs> of <what it> is. <laughs> right? They aren't teaching a lot of typing on queer. There's not a lot of typing now. What's that about? They need well, to have. It's some, not the fundamentals of of a business life. You know what I mean? There's like, yeah, there's your personal area, and then there's like getting shit done. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Know, they're not about getting shit done. They got true. they're they're going really into the fundamentals, which is like you got to be able to like can you feed shave yourself and feed yourself. Yeah, yeah. That, can you show up in a way that's good for other people? Yeah, you know. Yeah. Then and you the, can, and the next level is typing. It's yeah. typing. <laughs> Chopping onions and typing. Chopping yeah. onions and typing. Get on it. All right. Next question comes from. Captain Jazz, what was your favorite book or series you read during your childhood? My favorite was Dune by Frank Herbert. Took a while to read, but it was worth it. You read this as a child? I didn't read that until I was in college. That's intense. It's an intense child reading situation. <laughs> <laughs> but again, reading is important. It's one of the fundamentals. It's very important. I, I feel read, like we, we read so fucking much as kids. Like I, books. There's nothing that I can. We had our 30 minutes of screen time and otherwise we had to be in the woods. So yeah. our, the third option was to read, yep. which yep. usually, which we opted for most of the time. Yep. Well, we were in the woods a lot too. Yeah. We were reading in the woods quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> what did we read as kids? I mean, just all the things. I read a lot of books. Yeah. We read, we also like when we were younger because we had the entire Goosebumps series. Yeah. I think we talked about that a few episodes ago. Yeah. yeah which Goosebumps, Goosebumps, Goosebumps is the one I remember. Of course. The Golden Compass, or I guess His Dark Materials trilogy. That is so good. Top notch. Yeah. It's, and that holds up no matter what fucking mm-hmm, age you are. Mm-hmm. And it's now a, a TV show that's, that the first episode is pretty good. Yeah. Really. I will say I was in seventh grade when Harry Potter first came onto the scene. I didn't did read you, Harry Potter until I was in college. Did you actually read somehow. all the books? No, I read the first. I read the first three. I okay, think. so I was in third or fourth grade. I read the first one and I was like, eh, whatever. I read them until they started making movies and I'm like, I'm going I'm to... <laughs> yes, I saw all the movies. <laughs> I'll go this route. This is going to save me I a lot of time. I think I saw all but the last movie. I think I when think. they released the Goblet of Fire book and I saw how big it was, I was like, I am... I'm, I'm a child. I'm I'm not, I got things to do. I got Pokemon to catch. And I think most, be the uh, I mean, most of the books that I, like, I really, that I really like and really remember in series and stuff are things that I started reading in college and later. Like, mm-hmm. There's not a lot from my childhood. I know there's a lot that definitely like, had an impact on me in my childhood, yeah, but I can't remember, I can't remember. any specifically. Except, for, except for the His Dark Materials trilogy, but that's the... Yeah, I didn't read that one until college, actually. Yeah. Phenomenal, though. I cried like a baby at the end of it. <laughs> yeah. That's so good. Nice. So is that recommended? Yes. Nice. 100% recommended. So there you go. All right, next question comes from Jumpy Lumpa Leapy Low. During dinner, my family plays a game I'd like to share with you called Would You Rather? Oh. If you'll indulge me and all of us fans, let's play. Okay. P.S. If this is popular, would you do this at the end of each episode? No promises. Yeah, I love that. All right. Saying no promises to me, <laughs> uh-huh. which is a great way of saying no. All right. <laughs> All right. First, would you rather? Would you rather have a lifetime supply of your choice of candy or a life-size living flux made of that candy? The latter, because there's a lot there's of a lot of science implications yeah. of that one. Yeah, you a living organism. Made out of candy. Well, there's a point, which is if you have infinite of a particular thing that is your favorite, it is likely to become your least favorite. Not long. long But there's actually an advantage to that too, which is specifically candy. Well, you can also – no, but there's an infinite supply. Actually, you you control the supply, so it's fine. But – you're like the you're like the diamond. But if it's your favorite candy, then this is also the thing most likely to cause you diabetes. So now you have infinite of it, which means you're either now definitely going to get diabetes, or you're going to grow so tired of it that now you definitely won't get diabetes. I think the the deeper, darker question here is where is this candy coming from and how are you how summoning it, it? How is it infinite? Are you, much like Spider-Man, shooting it out of your wrists? Well, or, <laughs> which I'd be very into. Do you cry this candy? Is it? Are you? Are there Cadbury mini eggs coming out of your tear ducts? Do you sneeze it? Does it just show up in a particular location? Does in it, which case, that becomes a government interest very quickly. Yeah. Because you've are, got a candy mine. 
yeah. in your house. Our mysterious individuals just Dropping whatever your needs are, they just show up and hand you. Is it a magic, piece. or is there some principle of physics being exploited that we could then learn from and use it for mm. for storing infinite of other things? Maybe everywhere you go, you leave a trail of candy. And I, I will now say, like a like witch, a Hansel and Gretel, yeah. or a slug. They do. <laughs> it does say a lifetime supply, which I don't like the framing of because the way that that company always do a lifetime supply is they say, well. We're going to give you a lifetime supply of, of Pop-Tarts. And Based on how much the average person should eat. Yeah, and you and you don't need more than one box of Pop-Tarts every two weeks. And you say, you don't tell me And we're going to look at – yeah. <laughs> And they're like, we're going to now look at our actuarial tables and figure out your estimated time of death. And you're like, this got much less sexy all of a sudden. That's yeah. how Very many dark. Pop-Tarts yeah. you get. And now it turns out you only got 35 Pop-Tarts. But this, but this is actually because now, you know, well, now you know when you're going to die. You know what it's I mean? True. What's Pop-Tarts? Just- you're dead now. Yeah. <laughs> So you can, you can now use those as a calendar to to now wrap your life around so wait, wait, wait. your no. So you would date. take the lifetime supply because you know that die. actually would tell you your death date, yeah. which means you can plan much more. You know what this reminds me of? Does that also mean if you just donate it, you're immortal now? Yeah, because what this reminds me of is in the Ooh. Warcraft universe, Sylvanas Windrunner, okay. who is a who is a banshee who's found her body and put her soul back into her body. Good as, move. as we all know. Good move, Sylvanas. Uh, in order to reinforce her was immortality. Was her body and rotten when she did that? Or? It was, but I think I think some CGI happened to it oh, and nice. it got okay. better. Uh, <laughs> so – what she did mm-hmm. is she went and found these nine Valkyrs, which are essentially angelic beings from uh, the Shadowlands. Okay, yeah, obviously. Makes yeah. sense. And, uh, and they swore an oath to her where anytime she's killed, one of them reinfuses her life essence with theirs. So she essentially mm-hmm. has nine lives like a cat. Oh, okay. interesting. Okay. Convenient. So much like these Pop-Tarts. You have to be very protective of them. Yeah, you yeah. know they're gonna. They, this well, is the source of your power. It's like now. the portort of Dorian Gray. Yeah. Sort of what situation. If, what if rats right? get to your pop tarts? Actually, yeah. Yeah. if you get harmed, to just are you fine? But your pop tarts go away. Ooh, you know. Yeah, it's like a mass. Like if you yeah, get you have a lifetime accident. supply of pop tarts, your pop tarts aren't gone now, so you yeah. can't be killed. Yeah. But but it only happened <laughs> once. So like maybe you get in a car accident that should have killed you. Do all, all of your pop tarts are now gone? But you're mm-hmm. fine. Is that? Yeah, but now, but now you're just going to live until you die. Yeah, are you going to take the, the risk of maybe opening an Airbnb and I think the, ru- yeah, through your I think the way it works is yeah. like you're always dying. You know what I mean? Like you're always kind of slowly dying, which means you have like, like a rate of of death points mm-hmm. that you're kind of accruing over time. So every pop tart is worth one of these units of life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. And so like if you get hit by a car, it's going to knock your life points down enough that you can't quite recover. So you got to figure out the exchange rate of pop tarts to pain, you know, the the pop tarts Mm. to injury ratio, Mm -hmm. and that's what you use. You buy a car, that's about eighteen pop tarts, I would say, probably. That's not maybe at least eighteen boxes of pop tarts. Yeah, Uh, yeah, that's probably true. That's probably (laughs) yeah. Yeah. Depends. You get hit by a car. Or it depends on what kind of Pop-Tart because like <laughs> the blueberry s'mores ones. Are, yeah. <laughs> the s'mores ones are so good. If it's That's a like one box of s'mores. Pop-Tart. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, man. So there you go. Yep. That's how that works. Mm-hmm. All right. Would you also, rather. Wait, I want to say we used to play this game called Zabmondo as kids. You remember this? Oh, uh, what was. It's a would you rather game. Yeah. That has all sorts of just, just horrible would you rather scenarios yeah for it's you. like would you rather drink a cup of something disgusting or like, or eat a cup of something eat, disgusting it's usually <laughs> right. what it came down yeah, to or be yeah. stabbed and <laughs> I don't even remember how you won I think I don't even know how that was a game I think, I think, just I think everybody reading. had to vote or something or yes something like that yeah. and then yeah there's something like that but it's a very fun, I think it's still around Zabmondo is what it's called super fun so if this is a game you like to play at dinner you can play it play some real. Zabmondo yeah All right, we got two more of these one, would you rather have the power of invisibility or flight? We didn't just talked about this last it? episode. It's the classic. We didn't actually answer it, though, except for I did, which is obviously flight. Yeah. It, it kind of depends on the parameters. Mm-hmm. Like, if you had to just blindly pick without knowing the constraints. Yeah, assuming that you can just be invisible as much as you want or you can just fly as much as you want. If, right. that's, if then, that's where the things right. are. As deep as we go. Flight. Right. Then definitely. flight, definitely. Because then there, there's there's because the, the problem there is the limits. That's really think, where yeah. it gets where I feel like you'd tough. be regulated by the FCC. You're too small, though. You know, it also depends on how fast you can I don't fly. Know. They're I don't like know they're regulating drones. But here's the thing: even if you only fly like a foot off the ground, you don't have to walk anymore. Yeah, that's fucking. But great. you got to be careful. Huge, you got to be like, careful about not banging into people who are, you know, segueing down the sidewalk, yeah. which is you're effectively what you're doing. But also, yeah. you know, walking is like your primary form of exercise, actually. Right? There is that, but you, but you can still walk. Because here's the other thing: is the most annoying but part. Would you? You know what I mean? Well, how many calories does flying take, though? It might take. 
six or seven. Mm, yeah, because you have true. to because there has to be something being shot out of you. I know it's a fly, right? <laughs> yeah. So like that's going to cost. I think calories. the problem is you're expelling mass or you're energy. Every mass time energy. we get into the specifics of flight, it just seems like it's gross and a bad idea. You and also. I mean? You would suffocate if you went too high. Yeah, exactly. Or you'd get a severe wind burn, or you would hit fast. a goose. Or get hit by a goose. Yeah. A very angry goose. But it, no, when I say you hit a goose, I mean you would just gently fly past the goose and <laughs> slap it. Just to give it a good slap. But this also means that you could catch a goose mm-hmm. or any flying animal. Yeah. And so now you have an infinite supply of food. Mm-hmm. But you already got all those Pop-Tarts, so I mean – Oh, is this, are we in the same universe <laughs> yeah, right obviously now? Obviously, okay. all of these questions build on each other. Okay, sure. Yeah. Now it that you've got an infinite supply of life-giving Pop-Tarts, okay. would you rather have the power of invisibility or flight? The question is really, what can you do with, with invisibility? With invisibility, all you can do is illegal and creepy stuff. That's Yeah. That's, that's like kind of what I get. Yeah. So I think if you're a creep, then like that's, that's – Or if you right want to do like, you know, like corporate espionage. That's what I'm saying. Illegal or creepy stuff. Well, yeah. yeah. Or be a freaking spy because now it's legal. It's fine. Creepy stuff. But it's not illegal. But it's creepy yeah. stuff. Right? Yeah. yeah, but, Invisibility it's, is but for, it's for your country, so it's fine now. Yep. <laughs> right. That's how that works. Invisibility yep. is, for, is for creeps and fanatics. Mm. And flight is for people who need to be somewhere. Yeah. And I need to be places all the time. <laughs> you want to go check out the new restaurant? Just fly Just over there. Just go over there. I imagine that if you did I flight. I traffic. Exactly. That's the thing. Yeah. Right? You get to get rid mm. of the most – it's like – Outside of all the stuff we talked about in the last episode about how we're all going to die, yeah. otherwise the deepest scourge on humanity, traffic. traffic, except for all the being about to die stuff, is traffic. Yeah. So you yeah, just so there's to like it. it's like nuclear Armageddon and then traffic. Yeah, I think yep. the thing you don't think about though when it comes to flight is the architectural options that open up when you don't have to worry about these damn legs yeah. having to get you from A to B. Or like, worry about having, or that falling could kill you. Because that's just a, off the table. Think about a house, like a house structure if you could just sort of fly around yeah. but without having to flap a lot. Like we're not talking about wings, right? So if yeah. you're just levitating all over the place, mm-hmm. that, like, that blows open what you could do architecturally. Yeah. Your roof is now, that's free real estate up there. Well, you don't even need a door. On the ground level. That's true. You could get in through the top or a window. It could be anywhere. a volcano shape. You yep. go in there. And you can just have around. you can just have a tube that you just fly up, and now you're in your house now, right? Nobody else can get up there. Your house is Think fly- of the security implications. Incredible. Your house is Nobody flying, can get or you. it's on very long stilts. Yeah, floods are no longer a problem. Go warning proof. You're up there now. Boom. Also nuke proof because you see a nuke coming, you just fly away. It's fine. Well, if you see it coming, you you're blind now because you just looked at a nuke. Yeah. There's that. So <laughs> bad move. Yeah, fly away blind. That's not going to go mm-hmm. well for anybody. Fly yeah. But even if even if you can only fly, just like basically hover just off the ground and, and very slowly. Now you don't have friction. So somebody can just push you. You know what I mean? You just drift somewhere, which is also dangerous if you can't stop flying. What if if you fall asleep while flying and somebody pushes you into traffic? Do you remain flying? (laughs) (laughs) They just scoot you out there. But I mean, I think it's the same problem you have if you fall asleep. Sleepwalking becomes a huge problem. Well, no, because it takes a lot of effort for somebody to throw you in front of traffic when there's gravity I think sleepwalking becomes much less of a problem if you're able to fly. Because the major problem with sleepwalking is that you fall down things or walk into things. You could fly. But now because you can get anywhere. Think about what you could fly into on accident. (laughs) Yeah. Think about how much trouble cats can get into. Because they can fly. Because they can basically fly <laughs> in, in the scale of inside yeah, of a house, right. right? They can get into They're sort anything. of like dog bats. Yeah. So yeah. if you're trying to like, so if you're trying to protect your your pets, uh-huh. if you're trying to protect a dog from something that'll kill it, just keep it off the floor. Problem solved. If you're trying to keep a cat safe from things that'll kill it, mm-hmm. you got to yeah. lock everything, and you got to you know mm-hmm. it's, it's, it becomes much more problematic. And then they're also liquids, so they just get in yeah, there just, somehow. Yeah, they're like octopi. Yeah, mm, that's true. All right, final question: <laughs> Would you rather have the ability to talk to trees? Or birds. Ooh, I think it. The thing is, no, neither. Can you turn this on and off? Yeah, right. I hope so. Let's say yes. Yes. Okay. Because otherwise, you'll just literally go insane. I don't want to talk to trees because they are being constantly murdered just everywhere you go. People are taking like. And what are you going to say to them? Just like. uh, Well, but I I hope you've enjoyed being alive for a long time. But I think it's the most interesting thing because the as they, far as but, but trees can't see anything. But here's the thing, so they can't know jack shit. I don't. I don't think so. What do you because, think the tree's going to tell you? I don't know. That's what I'm trying to get at. Like as far as just the most alien thing to be able to communicate with, being able to communicate with a tree is much further. Yeah, away how was this phrased again? Would you rather be able to talk to trees or birds? You can already talk to both of those things. That's true. <laughs> you know what I mean. Already can. Maybe it doesn't maybe specify that it can with. talk back to you. Yeah, That's let's, true. Well, let's say you can communicate with. Okay. What would you choose? Well, because the other the other way to interpret this question is that mm-hmm. suddenly you're unable to talk to the other thing that you didn't pick. So like right now you can talk to both. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But maybe you could just choose, and now you can't talk to the other one. I would. Well, definitely, I would. I would pick the ability to talk to birds because you can have a parrot 
yeah, that you, you can. Know, yeah. You can communicate with it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Can you? They talk. They, they get it. Oh, yeah. They know. Yeah. They know oh, what's no. happening. They do. All right. Next question comes from Irish Luck. I recently started a computer science major and I'm learning C++. Of Ooh, course. Gross. <laughs> <sighs> All right. Here we go. <laughs> I'm just thinking about Take a deep breath I'm just thinking about C++ the, You're thinking about the gap taught. Between an education And a production environment I know There yeah. are There are To be fair There are still Oh there's a, plenty of good reasons There are places you C++. can go Use C++ Yes yeah. It's just none Why of, would you None of there? them are Anywhere you want to be yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> My question is How do you fight The urge of spaghetti code Is mild amounts of spaghetti okay What type of sauce Should I use for mm, it Good question You should use refactor sauce There's a book called Clean code Yes. It's, it's a cookbook for your spaghetti code. Yeah. So the like question that. is, how do you fight the urge of spaghetti code? So this is actually, I think, this is a question of experience. Mm-hmm. Because if you if you only ever make stuff for a class and you turn it in and it's done now and you can walk away. That's then true. you just Nobody has to look at it. You don't have to look at it. You just wiggle those noodles all over the place and nobody Get it gives working a and move make on. it as noodly as you want. Yeah. Uh, if you've had to work on the same project, so Levelhead is now something like 90,000 lines of code. If you've ever had to work on the same project – for years with tens of thousands of lines of code mm-hmm. or collaborate with other people in real uh, time, you will very quickly lose the urge to create spaghetti code because <laughs> those true. noodles keep coming up out of the underworld and slapping you across the face. Yep. yep. It's horrible. I hate it. Mm-hmm. And at a certain point, you just say, I'm going to – you actually be- you become passionate about making the code clean and modular yeah. and flexible. Yeah. But it, yeah, it's, it's 100% because of the environment. Right. So I think that the answer is that you will you will have much less of an urge to make spaghetti code when you're in a When it matters. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually it's one of those unfortunate things about learning it through school versus on long term projects yeah. is that is that the the, the production part. Because most of software is actually about production, it's not even about programming. It's about how do you decide how to do things mm-hmm. and how to organize it with other people and how do you store your information and how do you version control all this other kind of stuff. Like almost all of it is not even the programming, but all you learn in the context of, of a normal school background is just how do you code stuff mm-hmm. in C plus plus in C plus plus specific? Which again, people use. They do use I, I hear they sure do. I hear that people use it, mm-hmm. but you should learn Node. Yeah, definitely. Or really, pretty pick, much anything. Else. I mean, pick, <laughs> I think more so than that. Pick a project to actually work on just for your own sake that isn't in C plus plus. Doesn't matter, yeah. frankly. Well, well, I mean, it, so else. it is the case that C plus uh, plus because that's what I learned first, also, mm-hmm. and I'm really glad I did because because uh, it's not very fun. Um, because so it sort of builds up mental toughness. It builds up mental toughness. And more importantly, though, it, it forces you to actually have a real mental model about how stuff works. So there was an early, and there was an earlier That's question true. about what's the point of pointers, right? This is a thing that very early in C, you can't even do C++ like past the earliest phase unless you know what pointers are and how to use them. And then, and then when you move to other languages like Python and, and JavaScript – um, that you, you can do stuff much faster yeah. with, even though you don't use them directly, you still are using them behind. You know the that scenes. they're happening. You know that they're happening. Yeah. You, know, you have an understanding of what's hap- of what's actually going on in the background. So I'm so glad that I did it that way. But uh, but the best advice that I got because I, I, I you know we're all self taught. I was self taught in programming. The best advice I got when I asked a friend of mine who was a comp sci major who was more, probably the smartest guy that I knew in college who then went off and he was like working for the NSA and doing all this shit. Um, he's got all your data now. He's got, he's got yeah, definitely. Yeah. But I, was, I asked him, I was like, I told him it was after college and I was like, hey, I want to learn programming. What would you recommend as like a pipeline because I'd never been able to get into it. And he said, you should start with C++, find something with an interesting project so you can like force your way through it. And then the moment you feel like you can code something up, like you feel like you get it, you know, not, not like as an expert or anything even close to that, but like you feel like, okay, under like a rough mental it. model of this you get a rough mental model and you couldn't do anything but you can do a bunch of little stuff right the moment you get there go pick something like python jettison that language that's meant for you to build things quickly yes and easily with. right because because the the best way to learn programming and also learn how to be in production environments all this kind of stuff is to be able to make things fast that do things it's right? a practice discipline it's a practice discipline mm-hmm. and it's if like and if you're focused too much on the like, just how does this talk to the machine and how do I make the machine do what I want and so on instead of how do I create an algorithm that turns this piece of data into this piece of data or gives this user this experience or whatever, um, then then yeah, you're learning computer science, which is really cool and interesting, uh, but you're not learning how to make stuff. Yes. Yeah, you don't want to mis- you don't want to mistake a computer science degree for being a programmer. No, they're not even close yeah. to yeah. the same thing. So make mm-hmm. sure that you don't 
trick yourself into thinking that you are a programmer because you've learned about computer science. Being a programmer is – Computer science helps you to be a better programmer because you have a better understanding of just why it is that things work programming the works the way that it does. But it's a multiplier. Yeah. Not a, it's not, so if your programming skill is zero and then you multiply it times 100 because you know all about computer science, you matter. still can't make a, a functioning piece of software, yeah. right? So be, being a programmer is all about learning about the craft of programming. And that's where things like making clean code comes in and mm-hmm. learning how to, how to create software architecture that's very modular and easy to use and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Also, use Git because you won't be afraid of refactoring. Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> just use Git. Just use Git. I can't, college students in particular just yeah, don't ever I, pick it up. I can't tell you how many computer science majors I have met who have never used Git, which it's is the first wild. question I've often not heard of it. Yeah. yeah. First question to ask, because to me, it, is, it 100% assesses. It's about production. Yeah, it 100% assesses. Are you uh, on the academic side? The quality or of your on, education. Yeah, yeah. Or are, are you on the actually building stuff yeah. side? Yeah. Well, yeah, because the wild part about it, too, is that in basically every computer science course I've ever heard of, there's like some – there's like some project at the very end of it that takes, you know, a few weeks to put together. And I'm sure it's a few weeks of college time. So it's like a few hours actually. Right. But, but even still, you're like, you're spending hours and hours and hours on a project. Um, and the fact that it's not version controlled. Yeah. Like that's the most, yeah. It's the most I, horrifying thing. I yeah. can't imagine putting 30 minutes into a project and not. Yeah. Committing if something I start, if I start writing, <laughs> if I start writing a script, that I think it's going to be a one-off and it takes me more than 10 minutes. Then I'm like, Oh shit. Well, better I, get, make, make a repo. Yeah, I make a repo for it. It's in Git. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. what you also don't know is what if you want to revisit this thing later and yep. where will it be? Where is it? Where is – oh, it's in my repositories where everything is. Yep. Of course. All right. Next question comes from Jim Zombie Brainsock who says, <laughs> what are your favorite game design books and what is the most memorable game design lesson you ever learned? I have not enjoyed a game design book. <laughs> so that's, that's, that's the short answer. On have you side. ever read one? I have, yeah. Okay. Which I read ones? the Book of Lenses, which I thought was like fine. I did we were also, just talking about. We them. were just talking because <laughs> I was looking at a bookshelf behind me here, and yeah. it's on there. And I was like, "Have you guys read this?" And you guys are both like, "Yeah." <laughs> and I tried well, to read it, and I was. I tried to find some other ones, that I've, and I read like the intros to a bunch to like see if I could find one that I, like. I just haven't found one that I actually liked. Yeah, well, I think the Book of Lenses is really good early. Yeah, if that makes sense. So if you have, if you don't have much experience at all. Um, Game Design Book of Lenses by Jesse Shell. Very good. Very good. Because it gives you like a really Jesse high Shell level. of Shell Games, mm-hmm. which is one of the few long-term surviving small studios. They're not small. I think they're 100 people now. Are they that big now? Yeah. They got big. They used to be small. They're doing all sorts of cool stuff. Yeah. They do a mix of contract work, VR stuff, and then their own projects too. So yeah. Um, yeah. And, and their their team is phenomenal. He's obviously got his shit together and knows mm-hmm. some stuff. So the book is really good in terms of giving you a really high-level overview of all this stuff. Um but once you're really – I think this is one of those problems that you get uh, as you get further into any particular discipline is that it's harder and harder yeah, to the practice to dig up the particular knowledge you need. Yeah. Um, you sort of have to wade through stuff. And I think, well, I think, I think much it's because it could become so context-dependent. You yes. know? Like what does it mean – like what is game design in, in a general sense when you can make a first-person shooter or a puzzle? Yes. You know? Like those don't follow – Yeah, I will say I did – I very much enjoyed – I did the Will Wright Masterclass. I think it's like 80 bucks. That's on like masterclass.com or whatever. Um, And honestly, like it was phenomenal. Yeah. Very good overview of everything. Very engaging. And there's a little workbook that goes with it. That's fun. It's very well produced. Uh, If you want to get, if you want to get an entire education of game design, just pay $80 and do that. Um, I don't know about going to school for it necessarily, but, but do that uh, because it's a good high level overview. And, and, and yes, it's toward his angle of simulation games, but um but it's it's got some really good sort of nuggets in it for for thinking. But yeah, I haven't really met a. What about just like a general? I think lesson. design in general is probably better than focusing on hmm? game design. What about just like a general lesson, like a big takeaway? That if somebody's getting into game design or game development, like what's a fundamental thing? The fundamental they- truth is that any one thing you put in your game is way more complicated than you could possibly imagine. Yes. <laughs> um, it's the door problem. Actually, door if, you, problem. if you go, if you just search the door problem and read that. Yes. Also that's a, good. That's a good, just like, instead it doesn't teach you how to design. It teaches you why design is really complicated mm-hmm. in an interactive medium. like. Video. And I can tell you almost all the problems we've had, even in a production context uh, with Levelhead have been because we didn't take the door problem seriously enough, yep. which is a, a, sort of a high level. Overview you're just of like, it. Oh, we'll just add this in here. And then, there is no just. There is no, no just. just. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's the shortest <laughs> way to put it. Um, and so I think that the door problem is basically just – it's this idea that if you said, oh, there's doors in this game, uh, the job of a designer is to answer the resulting 
literal thousand of questions about those doors and how they interact with everything. Uh, well, especially at gate, like people who are just getting into game design or think that that's what they want to do, they're they're thinking of the side where you'd be like, "Oh, I want to have doors in my game." There, this is the difference right. between a designer and I and an idea person. Right. Yes, and those are not the same thing. And like yeah. nobody needs the idea person. That's not a mm-hmm. that's not a job out there, really. Right. Yeah. Um, and the designer's role is not what everybody th- seems to think that it is, which is like I came up with the idea, and then people go figure out how to do it. It's like, no, well, what do you, you do? Figure out how to do it? Eat and then nachos? They, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's not a yeah, job. No, your job as a designer is to answer every, every single fucking question. question. Yep, which, to the mo- to the tiniest level of mm-hmm. detail. Yep, and then basically you have to make the decision between the various uh, the fact that essentially you can't get everything you want. Yeah. So most often we have this discussion. So to understand a lot. The, the production limitations. Yeah, we have this well. discussion a lot in Levelhead now because the game is so robust and so big that anytime we get a feature request or even a change, the reality of the result of it is usually choosing between two things that are equal but produce different types of bad outcome in some scenarios. And they'll both add something good, and mm-hmm. then we also produce something bad. Mm-hmm. And you have to, as a designer. Be able to parse those and say, yeah. what are you trying to get out of this game and and make the decision on that. And the reality is that what you end up with at the end of the day, that's why I think the idea of clones is is, is interesting because even if you even if you start off like trying to clone a game, if you make a couple different decisions, especially early oh, yeah, on, it's a cascading branching tree, right? And so you end up with a game that actually feels fundamentally different, even if it, you know, pulls from the same mechanical base. Um so yeah, I think that's that's kind of my, my I think mine is the the lesson that I it took me a while to learn is is to recognize the difference between making games for yourself and making games as a professional, right? So, In what way? so if you're making a game for yourself, then you are you are doing it such that you're not thinking about who it's for. You're only focused on the things that you like, um, and you're overly concerned with whether or not you are in enjoying the kind of thing that you are making. Mm-hmm. Right. And you're also probably overly dismissive of the kinds of feedback that you get. From right. Because you're personally it. emotionally right. invested in this thing because you love the thing. Well, yeah. Right. And also you don't care what other people think. I mean, you do, of course, but like, but, but, not really. but it, won't, it, it, won't, <laughs> it won't impact your decisions because then when you hear that, you're just like, oh, well, you're wrong. This isn't for you. Right. Yeah. And it, and it wasn't until I started working on games uh, in a group setting that I started working on things that were other people's ideas. And, and I think at, Early on, I had this kind of a, this kind of thought process where it's like I want to make my own stuff, and that that's what that's like what it really means, you know? Is it like my ideas are in the game, and I'm only making things that I'm personally passionate about? And I think the fact is like you don't really learn a lot doing that because you're not and, being, and you don't make a good thing. You don't make very many good things. You 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 have a lot of blind spots because you get uh hyper fixated on all the things that you love about it and you are blind to the things that other people mm-hmm. don't like about it. And it really I think I think once uh Sam and I started working on things like Tau Fight. Mm-hmm. So Tau Fight 2 was is uh was inspired by Binding of Isaac. I'm not really a fan of that game. Mm-hmm. I never I, I played it for about an hour and I was like, it's fine, I guess, you know, but Sam loved it. And we started working on towel fight and I had no opinions about what kind of game this was supposed to be. I was just evaluating it for what, what it was. was right. right? Um, and, I, and I think that helped a lot. Right. Mm-hmm. And and when we went into well, quadruples, it allows it to sort of grow into something. Yes. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's it's the case that any game that we make. Um, it's possible that one of us is, is particularly excited or passionate about mm-hmm. this kind of game, but it's more likely that at least one or more of us are, don't really care that much about, about like this kind of a game, mm-hmm. you know, we've made, uh, like arcade games, we've made RPGs, we've made top down shooters. And now we've got this, this platformer. Um, these are all totally different genres of game. And it's actually very beneficial for us to have people on the team who aren't like super passionate about mm-hmm. arcade shooters or whatever the case may be. Because um, then they bring – get better feedback. Yeah, they, get, they bring better feedback. They bring a critical eye and the, the product turns out better because they know why they don't like that kind of a thing. Yeah. And you can work to mitigate those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think that's – it's, it's, a, it's, it's a good lesson. It's not about you. It's yeah. not about you. It's, it's about – the experience that you're trying to deliver. Well, yeah, we do this too, even talking to, so anytime I go to smaller conventions that are mostly indies who haven't actually like gotten out of product yet, 
or to have something. So they're getting ready mm-hmm. to go. And, and we'll, well, these conversations were just where I always ask, oh, like, where, you know, where are you going to put this when it's, when it's done? And, and the answer is always, oh, I'm going to put it on Steam. I'm like, okay, cool. Where else? And they're just like, oh, no, just Steam. You know, I'm like, you know, you can't make any money there, right? Like, yeah. and, and I even Anymore. had, a, I, yeah, and I had, and I had somebody basically argue with me that if you put it anywhere else, this was one of those guys who was like really into his game, you know, if you put it anywhere else, it would, it would reduce the quality of the game because it was like really only designed for P and I'm looking at this game. It looks like a mobile game. Right. But it's like, mm. it's like, it's, <laughs> this is only, this is for, you know, I made this for PC yeah, users. Gotta, and like, you kind of, you got to remove your damn ego from the thing, yeah. you know, like it, Sometimes you just make something that, well, needs especially because someone's gonna 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 guarantee failure, yeah. right? So in the case, especially if, if you're doing all this stuff and, and all you care about is is that the game matches exactly what you want it to be, and you make it for PC because to you a PC game is like the pillar of what a game is, mm-hmm. and that and then you finally get the thing done, and it's not possible to be successful in that market mm-hmm. because the market's shifting around you. Like at any given moment, maybe it is, maybe you know six. In three months from now, hopefully, uh, it'll still be possible to be successful on Steam, mm-hmm. right? Or it'll become possible again. I mean, um, but. Probably, maybe it won't be. Well, the thing is, right? like, it is certainly possible to be successful. Instead, it is, right? yes. It's but just but the, you don't the, get to just what's be the, what's the likelihood. Yeah, the, yeah. the idea so, of just putting a game on, like that word again, just putting a game on yeah. Steam. And, or in, in refusing to to go everywhere else because of like some ideas you have about yes. what that makes it look like. Well, right? And also, like, if, if somebody comes up to you and their first question is like, oh, is this going to be on Android or whatever? Then you should be like, yeah, <laughs> right? yeah. Uh, yeah. If that's the read, because yeah. there's that's what it looks like yeah. to them, and that's yeah. that means that's where they expect to be able to find it. That's mm-hmm. where they're going to look for it. That's where if other people are on Android, they would see it. And they'd be like, oh, this feels right, you know. Yep. Yeah. So I, I think that to kind of sum that whole thing up, it's it's com- kind of like the, the kill your darlings, but it's just like don't fall in love with the thing that you're making to the point where you can no longer look at it objectively. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It also you means know? you never finish it. If you love it too much, you know? it means what? You'll never finish it if you love it too much. Yeah, because it'll never quite. It won't live up to your belief. Well, well, and and you'll you'll end up in this kind of self handicapping phase where like you'll know that as soon as you release it, people will review it. Mm-hmm. People and now they're reviewing you as a person. And some of them will mm-hmm. not like it, and and you became so personally invested in the like emotionally invested in the success of this thing that you you can't let that happen, mm-hmm. and so instead you will postpone and delay. And tweak it forever and ever and ever and just never move on. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So don't do any of that. So don't do it. Yeah. Right. Any final words? Nope. nope. All right. This wraps up our question blitz to episode back to back spree. Uh, that was, that was, I enjoyed that. That was a good time. That was good. It was good. I mean, right. We could really do another one, but I think it's time to go do other it's things. It's time. I'm getting a little hoarse. I'm going to go buy a little you get horse. A little horse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So you guys want to come with and want to go pick them, yeah, pick them out uh, later yeah. on? That's why we can't do their episode. Yeah. All right. Well, we'd like to thank our producers, Fat Bard and Jen Coster, for putting the podcast together. And thanks to our community moderators who keep our Discord running. To get more involved in the Butterscotch community, go to podcast.bscotch.net. We've got links to the community Discord and a whole bunch of other stuff. So just go there and do those things. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next week. Goodbye. Bye.